a warm welcome to everyone present this evening and a large thank you for the privilege of being with you the second time this the first day of the week to worship together as we trust both in spirit and in truth I'm so glad that you made the decision to be here for this Sunday evening service. You are such an encouragement to me. I do not take that lightly, and I appreciate that. Appreciate you coming. Appreciate your faithfulness. And appreciate the privilege, and truly it is a privilege, of being with you once again. I had a great afternoon, was able to visit with some fine, fine individuals, and find them, found them doing as well as possible. And I'm thankful for that. Let's remember especially to pray for those on our sick list, those families and individuals that we know about, and let's certainly remember Ron and Joyce, Jill and Jimmy, Ella, the whole family there. And let's do what we can to strengthen and comfort. Phone calls, text message, a visit, whatever it may be. Just to let them know that we're praying for them and we love them and want to do everything we can to be in assistance. It was a joy visiting with Shelby and his family always, and it was a joy visiting with Ron and Joyce and Jill and Jimmy as always. Just appreciate that fellowship. Before I get into the lesson this evening, I want to ask a favor of you, please. Uh, my father-in-law, his name is Danny Parsons, uh, down home, Danielle's dad, is not doing well physically and he's stubborn as can be to boot so that's a really bad combination and as I was driving back this evening from uh, Houstonville this way Danielle called and she said that he is just getting worse he's had a headache now for right at three days and his blood pressure with medication is well over 200 on the top number and over 130 on the bottom number and it has been that way for some time and yet he refuses to get any help go to the doctor or go to the hospital and has actually become pretty standoff ish about it if you will so of course that breaks Danielle's heart she understands the situation, but it still bothers her. So please remember him, Danny Parsons, in your prayer. Please remember his wife, Sharon, that's my mother-in-law, who has been here a time or two in the past. And uh, please remember Danielle, or sister Courtney, and, and the family there as they make tough decisions and try to deal with someone who is very, very stubborn in a very serious situation. Uh, he actually told Danielle yesterday that he indeed wanted to die. So that is his uh, outlook on life. And she didn't know whether he was being serious or not. But that's what he told her. And so far, his actions reflect that. 
So it's just a difficult situation when you want to help someone that you care about and they do not want to help themselves in any way. So please remember that family. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you please to open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll start our remarks in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. You know, I was going to continue a lesson about love that would have been directly related to what we preached about last Sunday night. And I came across a few more scriptures this afternoon that I thought about and I decided to put that one on hold and place it in my back pocket and Lord's will probably bring it next Sunday morning or evening but this really stood out to me. I really enjoyed the verses and the topic and I believe it will be a help and beneficial to you and something that we can certainly relate to uh, right here in the great state of Kentucky. I want you to think this evening about the Christian life and I want you to compare it to an athletic event, if you will. The Bible speaks about running the race. The Bible speaks about endurance. The Bible seeks, uh, speaks about seeking the prize, pressing forward. All these are athletic terms, if you will, puts us in mind of the discipline that is needed to be a good athlete. So I want to share uh, no less than five scriptural references to our Christian life regarding faithfulness in the realm of an athletic event. And as you first hear that, you, think, you may think, well, Brother Baker's lost his mind this evening. And that may be true. But it is biblical, and I hope that it is beneficial to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this to Christian people, Do you not know that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So what's the solution? If you realize that all are in the competition... Only one's going to finish first, so run that you may obtain. Be dedicated. Work. Put the kingdom first in your life. And this is echoed again in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 2. If you want to mark that for your Bible study in the future, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 2 teaches a similar sediment. We're all running. We all have an equal obligation of faithfulness. We are all pressing toward a common goal. We would like heaven to be our home when this life is over. We would enjoy a reunion with our loved ones that went on before us in the Lord. These are promises that are exceedingly precious to all of us. So run in such a way that you may obtain this precious prize. 
And if we were to go on down to the last verse of the same chapter, I believe, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we would find out that we can become disqualified from our race. That we have to continue faithful. We have to have consistency in our lives. We have to practice what we preach. And we have to guard against hypocrisy in our lives. So, first lesson point, we strive for the prize. That high call, and we set our minds on things that are above. Second, would you turn your Bible please to the book of Philippians chapter 3. And when you arrive there in the third chapter of the book of Philippians, would you go down please to verse 14. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. Talked about striving. Let's talk a few moments about pressing toward the goal. We've already identified the goal. That's our heavenly home. That's a reunion with those that have gone on before. And we've established that's exceedingly precious to all of us. As a matter of fact, if you did not have that understanding in life, imagine the difficulty of facing the trials and the tribulations. Not only that Satan places in your way to try to cause you to stumble, but what you have to face in being bereaved and in disappointment. The world does not have these promises. The world does not understand the joys that we have as Christians and as members of the Lord's church that enables us to rise up above the hurt, the disappointment, and the despair that comes our way in this whole world. So yes, we strive, and yes, we press toward the goal. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, so says the Bible. Thinking about athletics, we're thinking about running the Christian race. We're thinking about soul running in such a way to achieve and to obtain. And if you think about it, truly, anything that is of utmost importance to you, you have the same attitude toward it. Whether it's work, education, or a simple goal that you set for yourself in your life. Maybe weight loss, perhaps a little, a little more healthy at the start of a year, or giving something up that has burdened you. You have to work. You have to labor. You have to run. You have to strive. And you have to press forward. And it's no different in our spiritual lives. There is a high calling. And there is a mark that is available for those who are faithful to Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus knows who belongs to Him. Amen. He knows who is running the race. 
He knows who is putting the best foot forward, if you will. And He knows who has endurance and stamina in life, in their Christian life, who is studying, who is praying, who is attending, who is sharing with others, and who pauses each day to take a moment to show thanksgiving for God's choice blessings in their lives. I always think about my grandfather. He always said that you never need to become too busy to pause for a moment and look up and realize from whom all good and perfect gifts and blessings flow. And he was right. So strive for the prize, 1 Corinthians 9. So press forward toward the goal, Philippians 3.14. How about Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7? We had reference to Galatians 2.2 just a moment ago about striving. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. It will be familiar to you as Bible students. And I preached on it just recently. We have to continue. And we have to stand up in the face of hindrances that are placed in our path as a runner of faithfulness. Allow me to share with you. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7. You did run well. I want to pause right there. We'll look at the rest in just a moment. It says, who hindered you? What got in your way? What discouraged you? What slowed you down? Since we're talking about athletics, or at least we're comparing that realm. Who slowed you down? You did well. I've talked to individuals in my life that lost their faithfulness. And when you ask them about that, they would say something like this. Well, I've been baptized. Or they would say something like this. I made that right with God years ago and God knows where I stand. And you ask them about today. Well, how are you doing today? Do you attend the services of the church? Are you faithful? Are you setting an example? Do you read your Bible? Are you praying? What are you concerned about today? Well, no. I haven't darkened the church door in 15 years. I think about myself. Bible's collected a lot of dust and I do not think to pray. I've got other things on my mind that are important. I've even heard individuals on the flip side of the coin or the equation say this, once I get my work done and my life's behind me when I get older then, and they're on the opposite side, then I'll become obedient and do what I need to do for God. But now is just not the time. The difficulty is we have no promise of tomorrow. And the difficulty is the Bible says that this hour is acceptable hour. So that does away with that argument in its entirety. But focusing on the other, the Bible says, oh, you did well. What's God saying? In Galatians 5, 7. You did well. At one time, you were active. 
At one time, you were faithful. At one time, you believed what you were obedient to. Let's read the rest. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth of the Gospel? Brothers and sisters, that is written to Christian people. That is not written to an alien sinner. You did well. Is God interested in what we're doing today? Is He interested? Well, if we can infer necessarily from Galatians 5-7, we would say yes. You did well, but what's hindering you now? You know what's right. You were obedient. You have believed the truth. But something has gotten in the way of your walk, of your endurance, of your race, of your pressing, of your striving. What's hindered you? What should a person do in that situation? It's one thing to talk about the problem. What's the solution to the problem? Recognize. Recognize the hindrance and put it behind you. Whatever it may be. Now, I think about a very sobering verse that I did not have in the notes. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. If you love anything more than me, yea, even son or daughter, what's the Bible say? You're not worthy of me. So when we say, whatever is hindering you, Strive to put it behind you. It truly means whatever. No matter how much you love it or how important it is to you, God has to come first. And we recognize the severity, the severity, excuse me, and the difficulty of such a statement. It takes self-sacrifice sometimes. And sometimes those that we love the most can even become a hindrance to the truth. And if that happens, we have a decision to make. Not easy. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We know what to do in regards to what is right. So don't tell God, I've taken care of that a long time ago. Please don't tell Jesus, oh, I was baptized 20 years ago, so I'm in the right standing. We have to continue faithful unto death. And then we receive the crown of life. I'm not cheapening baptism at all. You all know me and I know you. We believe in the Bible when it comes to being baptized into Christ. Just as much as believing, confessing, or repenting of sin. But we cannot lose sight of endurance. We cannot lose sight of what Jesus said. The one who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. I believe that's Matthew 24, 13. You check me on that. But I believe that's the Scripture. We have an obligation to continue our race. To continue to strive. To continue to press forward these athletic terms. And if there's a hindrance that gets in our way, that hurts the practice of what we believe. Can we make that point? 
If you're a strong athlete, I guarantee you're practicing. I guarantee you're putting the work in on the field or in the gym. How about in your spiritual life? If you have a hindrance that's getting in the way of your prayer, reading your Bible, sharing with others, or being faithful to the services, we've got to recognize that and strive to put it behind us so we can be the best for Christ that we can be. Turn your Bibles, please. To the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, I've had three individuals in the past few years that I can remember that have just been overwhelmed with this great cloud of witness. What does that mean? And they've asked me to study on it, look into it, and tell me what the Hebrew writer is talking about. In other words, here's what most think. That there's individuals that's gone on before and they're watching. They're watching and they're a great cloud of witness. But I've never been able to find that. I've never been able to get there. But if you think about an athletic event, and if you think about individuals around your life watching you, a cloud of witness that pays attention to what you do, and maybe is influenced by what you do, I have found truth in that. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, if we were to read chapter 11, what would we see time and time again but examples of heroes of faith? And their example is still speaking. Well, he has not left the thought, the Hebrew writer, of what was said in Hebrews chapter 11. Not at all. So when we come to 12.1, he's still talking about that witness. How it's still standing and the influence that it has. You do have influence. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a crowd of witnesses, we have individuals from the Old Testament even that did not realize the promises such as we have, but yet they were faithful. And what an example. What a witness for us to motivate us. And that's what the Bible is teaching. Let us lay aside every weight... It's an athletic term, okay? Every weight and the sin. You cannot talk about as spiritual means being weighed down, burdened, bogged down, as we may say, and not think about sin. That's what sin does. It weighs you down. Weighs heavy on the mind and the conscience, doesn't it? And just as Brother Robin shared with us in Bible study this morning, once we give in and we give in again, it becomes a little bit more easy each time. And you'll find yourself making excuses for it. And before you know it, sin's a part of life. We're warned against such. Put aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us creeps in. The Bible said that. I didn't say that. The Hebrew writer, Holy Spirit inspired, said that sin easily besets us. It's ever present. Is there a day in your life you're not tempted by something? Your life must be different than my life. Let's say it this way. Is there a week that goes by that temptation doesn't come to you in some form? 
Satan tempts those who are dangerous to him. If you're not a Christian and you're living a worldly life, well, Satan's already got you. When you obey that gospel, when he loses you, then you've got a target on you. And wouldn't he love to easily allow sin to creep into your life, you to fall, and take some others with you? That confidence, that's the only way he can smite God. He's willing to attack his children. Think about that. I've shared that with you. I want to share that with you all I can. Your enemy does not mind to attack the children of God at all. He's willing. So when you read about the roaring lion, when you read about the father of lies, there's no truth in him, that when he speaks a lie, he's just speaking the way he speaks. That's exactly what it means. He would love to devour you spiritually. He would love that. He's good at that. Doing it for a long while. He knows what tempted Papa. He knows what tempted Daddy. And He knows what tempts you if we reveal it to Him. There's no doubt. It can easily beset us. Easily. Now I don't say that to scare you. Because you have an advocate in Christ. We have the strong arm of the Lord to lean on. We have someone we can go to in prayer even when we fall. Ask for forgiveness. Get back up and get back on the right path. And God is willing to forgive us. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, fellowship with one another, you've got brothers and sisters that want to help sustain you. We bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. And the blood of Christ doth continually cleanse us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and following. If we're walking, it's another athletic term. If we're walking, what's it say here? Go back please to Hebrews 12, 1. Let us run. Because you realize what sin can do. Because you realize how easy it can come in. It starts with temptation. There's no sin in temptation. We all face it. But if you give in to it, it's conceived to sin. Run with patience. When you were a child, I remember this. I know you did it too. On the playground of Sublimity, we loved to race on foot. There was a young man named Dustin Evans. I don't know where he's at today, but he was the fastest on the playground. And he wore blue jeans. We all wore shorts. We still couldn't outrun him. He wore boots, and he was still faster than we were. So when we would run on field day or what have you, always wanted to try to beat him. We couldn't beat him in the short distance, and he could run long as well. We never ran with patience, though. We took off full head of steam and we stayed with him for a moment. And then you know what happens. He's just cruising. So in about two or three minutes, he picks up the pace and I'm wore out. I'm running as hard as I can from the beginning, from the gunshot. Okay? Now they were not shooting guns. It's a blend. That's a figure of speech. But nonetheless, I hope you understand what it means to run with patience. Be steady. Be steady. Faithful every day. We referred to the hymn this morning, reading from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. 30 and 31. Teach me, Lord, to wait. The hymn says, down on my knees. So we're humble. And the Bible says, those that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. We run 
with patience. And let's finish the verse. That race which is set before us. You've got two choices. Sin is set before you. You just read that. It's easy. And then you've got the work. You've got to be running. You've got to do it with patience. There's a race. There's a competition between righteous living and riotous living. We run with patience. That race is set before us. And we choose the sign of righteousness. So it's written to the Hebrew Christian. Brothers and sisters, it's beyond belief when I hear people say, beyond belief, that when you come up out of the watery grave, that's it. There's nothing more you have to do. You're secure from here forward regardless of how you live. How many Scriptures? I'm saying this respectfully. I wouldn't hurt anyone for the world. Respectfully submitted. How many Scriptures must one ignore to make such a statement? How many? 1 Corinthians 9. Disqualified if we don't keep on running. Hebrews 12.1 Run that race that's before you. Revelation 2.10 Matthew 24 James 1.12 The crown of righteousness is available to the one who continues faithful. Demas has forsaken me loving the world. You can do it. It's our choice. For the life of me, I cannot understand why anyone would encourage you not to be running, not to be faithful, not to be reading, not to be praying. That everything is okay at this point. And yes, that is the point we come into Christ. We're baptized into His death. He shed His blood on the cross. I do understand the ultimate importance But when you're risen to walk in a newness of life and you're born again, you are a babe in Christ. You move from the milk to the meat. If we have a child that didn't grow, we become very, very and overly concerned about that child. We be seeking help immediately. Something's not right. My son or daughter is not growing. You're a babe in Christ. That's just a poor example off the top of my head to help paint a picture that you can understand. That as a babe in Christ, we must be growing. It is not okay to say you're fine there. Nothing more to worry about. Enjoy your life and enjoy heaven as well. We enjoy our life and we enjoy heaven because Christ is first. That's why. Because we love Jesus How can someone say they love Jesus and ignore His commands? And one of His commands many, 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 many times is to endure, to run the race, to be faithful unto death, to share with those. And what example do we set? In a church service very similar to this a few years back, individual came that we didn't know, a family, we went back and said hello to them. They said, well, Brother so-and-so invited us, but he's not here. Do you think that was encouraging or discouraging to the visitors that were invited? They didn't come back. It's not here. Think about that. What example do we set if we choose something else 
in front of the Lord. And that wasn't a situation where that person was sick or had a tragic emergency. It was because something else was a little bit more important that evening. And there someone came and an example was set. So the example of faithfulness is always beneficial. Always. And you just never know who's paying attention. You may say, I don't matter a lot. We don't know that. That's you talking. You may matter a ton and not know it. Because we're all important. We're all striving. We're all pressing forward to that common goal. The heavenly home and a reunion with those that have went on before. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Turn your Bibles, please. And let's talk about the prize won and the home stretch, if you will. You know this Scripture by heart. I think I use it in every funeral I have the privilege of talking to you. 2 Timothy, please. Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We usually always get verse 6. We're going to look at 7 and 8. As we think about the home stretch in that race, that Christian walk, and as we think about approaching the prize, how beautiful that will be. Just think about it for a moment. Thank you if your health fails you. And this old earthly tabernacle is wearing out. And my mind's not as sharp as it once was. Things are more difficult than they once were. But then you remember, Jesus is still Lord. Amen. There's still a home in heaven. It's, away, it's way awaiting me. A prepared place. And even better, you can be there too. And I might go away for a time, but I will greet you someday in eternity. Just think about that as we read these verses. The world can't offer you that. There's no amount of money that can offer you that comfort. No amount. Or prestige or recognition here on earth. Only faithfulness and running that race and finishing that race can offer you that kind of joy. Pure joy. Not ha Happiness can come and go. Joy is a state of being. That's pure joy and bliss only in Christ. I have fought a good fight. I'm in the home stretch. I have finished my course. Apostle Paul speaking to the young preacher Timothy. I have kept the faith. My responsibility has been met. I've shared with others. I've stood up for what is right. How much does it burden you when you see someone compromise what is right? Doesn't that burden you? Here's what you think in your heart of hearts. You say, I know they know better. I know they do. Why are they compromising? We love individuals. We don't want to hurt folks' feelings. I, I understand. But it comes to the point where you have to stand up for what is right. And if you truly love individuals, you want them to know what is right. We're not trying to be mean in any way, but we can't compromise what is so precious. We've kept the faith, the faith. How many faiths are there? What's Ephesians say? One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one, 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 and one. One God, one Spirit, one body. And you know, folks get upset at us sometimes for preaching that. You can't compromise the oneness of God. Cannot do it. Kept the faith, finished my course. Athletic term. It's a race set out before me. 
I had to be running, walking at least. And I have fought a good fight. Satan, as I've said to you many times, I love that illustration from the Bible. He's hurled those fiery darts my way. The enemies of God have blasphemed me, but I fought the good, not just any fight, the good fight. Henceforth, here's the prize won. Henceforth, based upon this, fighting, finishing, and keeping. Let me say that again. Fighting, finishing, and keeping, because of that, henceforth, there is laid up for me, it's prepared, a crown of righteousness. You know, I would be satisfied with eternal life, wouldn't you? I don't need a crown. That's how much God loves you. We're satisfied with eternal... He's going to give you a crown. He's going to honor you that high. I'm not the king. He is. But we're a part of the family of God. Have you realized that? You're a part of the family of God. He honors you as such. Co-heirs to righteousness with Christ. And even though I cannot wrap my mind around it, and if I'm blessed to have 50 more years, I won't be able to. I'm a brother with Christ. That's hard for me to fathom. Because He's Lord. He's so much greater. But He's meek, lowly, and humble as well. And His death paved the way for all those blessings. That'll preach, won't it? Laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I think about Jesus in John 14 saying, if it were not so, I would have told you. But it is so. I'm telling you, because it is so. There's many mansions, many rooms. Mansions sounds better, don't Many rooms, many mansions in my Father's house. In other words, there's a place for you. There's vacancy for you. That's what He's trying to say. It's glorious and it's for you. And He's familiar with it. And I'm going away to make preparation that where I am, you may be also fight, finish, keep, which the Lord, the righteous judge, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, we will all give an account before the judgment seat of Christ. It will happen as sure as I'm standing before you this evening, the hearing of my voice, the righteous judge will prevail. He's going to give unto me at that day and not to me only. Oh, I'm thankful for that part. Not to me only but unto all them also that love. They're looking for it. They're anticipating it. I think about the Thessalonians. They quit. They took the Lord of His Word. They're done working. I'm looking for Him. He's coming back. And Paul has to say, I commend you for such, but go on and live your life. Keep on working. Have a quiet life. Share with others. Be watching and waiting because the hour is unknown, but you just can't sit down and watch on. There's work to do. There's souls to save. The harvest is plenty. The labors are few. So work. This glory, this promise, this crown of righteousness, that prize that we're striving, pressing toward, don't want to become hindered in any way,
It's not only for the Apostle Paul. It's for everyone, for all that love His appearing. What exceeding and glad promises that we enjoy in Christ. Do you realize that God has declared it from His Word and they're yours as long as you're faithful today? It's yours. No one can take it from you as long as you're faithful. It's yours. If you close your eyes in death tonight, it's yours. If you lose someone close to you tomorrow and they're faithful to Christ, it's theirs. It's for all that love His appearing and that allows us to face the bereavement, the disappointment, the uncertainty, the pain, whatever it may be of life because we can rise up above it. We can run this race, finish this course, keep this faith and be striving and working and laboring toward that high calling, that mark, that prize that is set before us. I hope you've enjoyed the correlation between athletics and living the Christian life. And I hope that you don't think I've lost my mind as much as you did previously. If you are present this evening and you have a need to render faithful obedience to your Lord's invitation, why it's always our joy to let you know that we would love to assist you. Believe in Jesus because of the faith that you have, the trust that you have. Turn away from your sins by repentance. Confess that faith in Jesus as the Son of the living God before this congregation and buried with Him in the watery grave of baptism for the remission, the forgiveness of your past sins, God will add you to His church and you'll be ready to live that faithful life. Start that course. Grow mature. Share with others and set a right example all the days that we're blessed to have. If you are subject to the gospel call and invitation in any way this evening, please come before it is everlasting too late and make your need known. Allow us to assist you in your faithful response to God's Word. If you have a need, won't you come? Jesus, the loving shepherd, calleth thee now to come into the fold of safety, where there is rest and room. Come in the strength of manhood, come in the war of youth, enter the fold of safety, enter the way of truth. Love